Coming up, the good ship Lollipop gets swamped in Poseidon, and a soundtrack review from the original film, The Poseidon Adventure. Welcome to the screen. Welcome to Taverncast's The Screen, covering that's, movies, television. That's the screen what? with an N, not the screen. Dude, you messed up. up. You messed up our first show already. It's. <laughs> I'm just trying to set a standard for future shows. <laughs> the Screen, all about movies, television, DVDs, and more. We'll be located at thescreen.taverncast.com. So this is Bryce, and this is Eric, and let's make some things clear. Since a lot of you probably are coming to see us from Taverncast. And you're wondering, what the heck? So, ooh, Eloy just gave his real name. Well, and no, that's Grumley, your, no, 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 that's your fake, fake real name. That's true, that's true. So I am Eloysius on Taverncast, but and my I'm real Grumley. name is Bryce, and we decided not to call each other And my our... so-called real name is Eric, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's really Cromley. <laughs> this is not a World of Warcraft podcast. Nope. Uh, where we are, though, taking essentially the same formula from Taverncast and moving it over and doing a show on the popular media of movies and television and DVD reviews and things like that. Yep. Alright, so this is how the screen is going to work. We go see one new first-run movie a week, and we review soundtracks and TV shows, and we review a DVD of the week, which is not happening this episode, thank you. And what we do is we go see the first-run movie, we come back, we sit down and tell you what we thought about it, and we We give it a rating. Yep. And that rating is going in to... In true Taverncast fashion. In true Taverncast fashion. The alcoholic beverage of our choice that characterizes the movie... Our opinion of That the we movie. saw, our yes. opinion, is the, the rating. This means that we're going to take one for the team. This means that we'll go out and see first-run crappy movies, and then we'll have to drink crappy beer. Or first-run really darn good movies. Yeah, but this is Hollywood we're talking about. So we're preparing ourselves, we're battening down our livers. And, we are taking uh, the bullet for you, my friend. Exactly. We will drink the beers you won't drink to flog and punish ourselves for the movies you if shouldn't see. If it's really see. bad, we're popping open the Schlitz. If the movie's really good, we're breaking out the champagne. Yep. Got it? Budget allowing. That's the deal. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. I can. Let's stick together. We can help each other find a way out. Ships weren't designed to stay afloat upside down. I'm within my authority to compel you to stay. Don't think you can stop me. I got an access hatch here! We don't know where he goes! If we stay here, we drown. Just reach out! No! I'm never gonna leave you! So as you can tell, the movie this week is the much ballyhooed and anticipated remake of the Poseidon Adventure, now just called Poseidon. Poseidon. Because I guess in the because he's the god of the sea. Well, no, it's because in the 21st century, the name Poseidon Adventure is now cheesy. We can't call it the Poseidon. If we're going to remake it, God forbid you use a cheesy name for a cheesy movie. You know what I don't get? Why didn't they just call King Kong Kong? Ooh, or King. It could be like Kong 2K. Kong 2K. Yeah, why not? You know. Kong X. How about that? Kong D4. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But that's not the movie we saw. Yeah, anyways, so. so we saw Poseidon. Yeah, Poseidon is a remake of the 1974 film The Poseidon Adventure, which starred Gene Hackman and Ernest Borgnine, along with a cast of um, other notables from the early 70s. Uh, that movie was produced and directed by a guy named Irwin Allen, who is the godfather of the disaster movie. Um, he was also involved with movies like The Swarm and The Towering Inferno. The uh, Swarm? The Swarm is the one about bees that attack Houston. Really? Did, did you not see that one? Somehow I missed that one. It's an awesome movie. They they torched Houston they, at the how'd end. How'd they come up with, with that name, The Swarm? No, 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 get this. They In, in The Swarm, they... They, they torched no, the they, city they, with No, 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 they've got this thing where they, they lure the bees into an area... And then they like blow them up when they when they reach the area. So the, all the swarm goes in and lands like in this in this thing that's got like a beacon going, and then they blow all the bees up in the ocean. Darn it, you just gave it away now. I know. See it. Oh yeah. Well, but it's cool though because they torch Houston. Guys go out with flamethrowers and torch all the skyscrapers. That doesn't seem a very cricket, efficient way to cricket. do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I missed that movie. So the the gist of the Poseidon. It, well, no, the gist of Poseidon is the same as the gist of The Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, this is a complicated concept for a movie, people. Brace yourselves, here it comes. <laughs> people on cruise ship, cruise ship gets hit by, get this, Rogue Wave. Rogue Wave rolls ship. ship Which rolls, somehow didn't hit any of the other ships. Yeah, ship rolls area. over, it goes upside down, so bottom is top, top is bottom, everyone flips over. Random mob of five people decide to band together and ignore five orders. Five stars with yeah. a, you know, nicely selected cross-section of, of genders and a, a cute kid and, you know, everything you need in a it's Hollywood true, movie. It's true, true. And they decide to make their way out of their little holding area in the ballroom and escape the ship through the bottom. Now, this is no different than it was in 1974, and they're actually... Very few differences in this movie, except for a ramping up of special effects. Why, and why write a new script when you can just reuse the same old one? The new movie is directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Wolfgang is known for predominantly Air Force One and The Perfect Storm. And Das Boot. And Das Boot, which was a, I heard a review on actually a good movie. movie. Das Boot's pretty good. Yeah. Now, and I, I didn't think Air Force One was bad. It was popcorn, no, Air Force one but was it, was, okay. it was all right. Perfect Storm was, eh, yeah. I don't know. But Wolfgang Peterson has got something with Rogue Waves. That's all I've got to say. Because Why, they have a Rogue Wave in Air Force One that I missed? No, but they had one in Perfect Storm, and it was just as odd there. Boot. Donnie Wahlberg's catching swordfish, really? and he goes, Rogue Wave! Rogue Waves and all the You know, this was Peterson basically movies. the same with a larger ship. So this movie stars Josh Lucas, whom really the only other movie I'm familiar with him in that I've seen is Stealth, which is about the... Uh, which one was he? He was the name. main pilot. Oh, Josh Lucas was the main guy in this movie, the main character. The the he okay. he plays a, in this the movie he plays a card guy. shark kind okay. of guy. Yeah. Okay. And then of course Kurt Russell, who plays the part of a ex mayor of New York City, fireman, mm-hmm. that kind of deal. And uh, a bunch of no names, basically. No, Richard Dreyfus. Oh yeah, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus yeah. who plays a bit part. In fact, I saw an interview with Richard Dreyfus that said yeah, that, he was uh, kind of like it, it almost seemed like he was just kind of tacked on the side of it. He was kind of just making an appearance. He, yeah. he there was an interview where he looked very glum, and they said, "Why did you do this movie?" And he gives a very short, curt answer. It was for the money. <laughs> well, this is honest. Yeah. <laughs> All Eric, right. why don't you tell what 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 beer you picked to so, to characterize your feelings on this movie? If it had been a truly terrible movie, like say The Core which is one I watched a while ago and I didn't like. I would have picked Schlitz or Colt 45 or something. Which is like the this bottom This is of the one bottom. step up. Miller High Life. It is the champagne <laughs> of beer. Well, and my pick was very similar to Eric's. I picked Budweiser Select because Ooh. 
it's Budweiser, but it's a little bit better than regular Budweiser, but there's still a lot of water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, and it's, you know, it's not like it's bad, but it certainly isn't great. So, Poseidon Adventure from this from 74 was a much better movie, and I know you didn't see that. No. In 74, everything made a lot more sense. The guy who uh, basically was Josh Lucas, which was Gene Hackman in the original movie, sort of the, the guy who's daring enough to whatever, that was Gene Hackman, and he was a disenfranchised preacher who didn't, you know, didn't believe in God anymore. His faith mm-hmm. was rattled or whatever, and he decided to uh, lead these people up and out. So the, the, the plot doesn't really change that much the guy who, who is uh the kurt russell character who was a mayor slash fireman rich guy in this like, yeah. it was ernest borgnine in the original and ernest borgnine was a former cop former detective um so he's kind of the you know rough and tough you know whatever, whatever. um all the other characters are sort of i, I mean Random. they're drawn loosely uh in this movie from what they were in the original but they were they were better characters in the original that you actually knew something about and you kind of liked them to an extent. There was still a kid, and that kid was just as annoying as the one in this movie. I hate movies with kids. So let's look <laughs> at this thing that we always talk about about these movies. Look at the situation they're in, right? So if you're on a cruise ship and your ship happens to be struck by a, a rogue, rogue wave, wave and it rolls over and <laughs> you're you screwed. yeah you get stuck. Here's the fact: you're what, screwed. What? Do you, first of all, how many people Head can to the bar? If you're in an upside-down, 100-foot-story ceiling ballroom that's upside-down, how many people do you know are going to have the fitness level or ability to even figure out how to climb out of that thing? After falling four stories or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. With God knows what falling on top of And then what's your luck that you're going to get a guy like Josh Lucas, who is not only the greatest card shark in the oh, world, but he's and also a had man. been in a uh, sub and, in the Navy. <laughs> yes. And knew all these, like, things about ships. He knows all about... Uh, uh, and he's been on a lot of ships. Yeah, exactly. He knows all about, <laughs> what is it, the, the turbine shafts and the bow thrusters and the galleyways mm-hmm. and the air duct systems in this floating hotel. And Kurt Russell, who's a fireman that just happens to know... And, and, he, and a fireman and the former mayor of New York City. And he wasn't just any fireman. Yeah. He was like the super fireman. That, Superhero fireman who quit because he was burned out. Or, that everybody seemed to know. He was, like, he was basically like you take Rudolph Giuliani and you put him on the Poseidon and you make him a fireman and, and a y- hero. younger and, and, uh, and more fit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get the general idea. So they try to drag these happens. people out of here. And, of course, everybody's got the skills to be able to do everything they're doing. Here's the part that got me. Oh, my you – know, well, first, early on, my favorite, one of my favorite things, I love how um, Richard Dreyfuss' cell phone works at sea. I can't yes. even get mine to yes. work in the continental United States <laughs> at the time. His works at sea. In the middle of the Atlantic. <laughs> in the middle of the Atlantic. Oh, or supposedly. Pacific, or wherever he was. Yeah. Wherever they can have a rogue <laughs> wave. <laughs> Maybe they were on Lake Michigan. Do you think there's rogue oh, waves on Lake Michigan? That'd be cool if there were. Do you think there's like a rogue wave I'm on like sure there's rogue the Great Salt real, Lake? But... No, there are. There are rogue waves. No, They're right. everywhere, man. Everywhere. They're everywhere. I, I've seen rogue That's waves why ships in my are getting bathtub. turned upside down every time. <laughs> Those weren't rogue waves. I looked down in the toilet. Rogue wave! <laughs> Something's turned upside down. <laughs> the one scene that was a hallmark in the original movie was when they're faced with a, a an area where they have to swim underwater for a prolonged period of time to get to another section of the ship. Well, in the original, you've got it was a little bit more realistic. You had some older people along. You had a really overweight woman. You had a scared little kid. This you know, is Hollywood. We can't have any really overweight women. Right. And nobody was skilled with anything mm-hmm. in the original movie. I mean, outside of maybe Ernest Borgnine as the cop, who was just a little bit more daring than the others. But that's maybe about it. But in the original, 
they have to be underwater for maybe about oh 60 to 90 seconds max as they string this uh, rope underwater through a couple stairwells to get up to the other side to lead the other people through and while it's a little bit of a stretch at least it seems doable now in this movie they do essentially the same scene where they got to get from one place to the other underwater. But they didn't take a rope because they're stupid. No rope. They all go underwater at once, <laughs> having no idea where they're going. And they're underwater for before they get to the other side. It was like three minutes, two and a half minutes. It was quite a while. And then the one girl gets caught under there, just like in the original movie. And somebody's got to go back without surfacing to Richard come back. Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus is apparently quite the underwater. Right. So person. let's just do the math the on this here. Man. You got a what a sixty-five odd year old man probably now who has been underwater for a over minute. two and a half minutes, probably. At least a minute, I would say. Yeah, who turns around to go get somebody younger than him, who gets hung up. So now he's underwater for what? Almost yeah, three five minutes? Five minutes, maybe, ten minutes? Yeah. So I want, I want everyone who's listening to try and hold your breath. Right. Well, maybe we shouldn't say this. Don't I'll do tell you this. What, if you're looking to commit suicide this evening, uh, hold no, your no. breath. For the... <laughs> Our lawyers are calling right now. Oh, and then the, the convenient problem that the place in the ship they need to go is underwater because the ship is sinking bow first oh, yes, and then yes. the convenient explosion that happens in the in the stern of the ship that somehow blows the bow of the ship back up so no, the they stern can of the ship wasn't the stern the, the stern was was above water the bow the was underwater are. right yeah, yeah. but the explosion happens i guess in the bow that lifts it I'm back not sure what yeah it wasn't really clear why any explosion would cause the back end to go up and there was a lot of explosions yeah. i don't know i really want to know if when a cruise ship transporting ammunition because dude that thing was exploding all the time it was a plan al-qaeda no the u.s sent in a rogue wave to take out the ship because it was transporting <laughs> explosives for al-qaeda see i already made it a more <laughs> I have actually another complaint with it that was just really annoying. Why is it that you always get these scenes in this movie with a screaming hysterical woman and or screaming hysterical man, and the dialogue goes something like this. I can't go on! I can't! Yes, you, you can. can do it. No, I can't! Yes, I guess you can. I'm gonna die! No, you're not. Take my hand. I'm gonna fall! No, you're not. Grab me harder. I'm falling! No, you're not. You're deluding Grab yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. Was there anything you liked? It was, I mean, the special effects were okay, and, you know, to me, it's just, it was like, okay, it's just like one series of contrived problems after another that they always find a way through. It was I mean, Budweiser Select. It really it, was. No, it was Miller High Life. Okay, well, I'm sorry. It was sorry. the High Life. Um, it was the champagne of rogue wave-induced ship reversal movies for 2006. <laughs> I have There's to... my review. Rogue Wave! They're not going to put that in the poster, though, I don't. I do have to say that I think uh, one one highlight for me, well, the two highlights, and they were both effects, which really gives you an idea of what we thought of the the script and, well, and everything else. Like but the yeah, the ship actually rolling over, being tossed over by the wave, pretty impressive. It was pretty cool. Pretty impressive. Yeah, there's good, a lot of good effects. Detail work. in the scene and stuff. Yeah, but to, you know, to tell you the truth, in all reality, the original had a good scene too, and I'm not going to say it's just as impressive because you know a good. 30 yeah, years 30 had passed, years but it, it was still pretty good. One of the more, more impressive shots I've seen in a long time was at the very beginning of the movie. They did a no they unedited wraparound shot. They basically... They, they were basically they, showing off their CG. Oh, it was very impressive, impressive. though. What, what they did you is they, they the came CG, up though. from underwater, 
to show the Poseidon in transit, mm -hmm. and they basically tell you what, what, what's like a fly-around shot of the ship all the way around it at various points, zooming in to like see Josh Lucas running on the deck mm -hmm. and to look through windows and stuff. And then they mm -hmm. come out, come back out, and they go over the ship and back around to come back in and join some dialogue in process. It was unreal. That was a good thing. That was a very good thing. Okay, that was a so technical the first achievement. first five minutes are good. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, but, uh, yeah. So is it worth uh, your $9.75 to go see this movie on a Friday night, or is it more of a rental situation? I would say situation? if you're feeling like a, you know, thriller-type action movie, then you don't have anything else to do on Friday night, nothing else really appeals to you. It's not terrible. It's just... I'm saying rent a movie instead of yeah, go see it. To tell I, you I would, that if it was me, if it wasn't, if I wasn't taking a bullet for the podcast. You know, here's what you do, I right? I to see Just it. go and rent The Perfect Storm. Go to chapter 20 or whatever it is. Cue up the part where Mark Wahlberg screams, Wrong wife! And, and just repeat that for two ship. hours. And imagine it being a lot bigger ship. Or, lot better, <clears throat> or better yet, go rent The Poseidon Adventure starring Gene Hackman and go. Ernest Borgnine, directed by the master Erwin Allen yeah. from 1974. Yeah, see the original. And that's it. That for the Poseidon. Much does it it, for the Poseidon. I mean for... Wrong wave! The Poseidon. One of the things you can count on every week from the screen is a section that I'm doing right now that will review film scores, like the Star Wars theme. Or the theme from Jurassic Park. These are all film scores, and I know everyone's familiar with them. What I'm going to do is talk a little bit about some of them, review them, play a couple clips from them, tell you why I think they're good, and give you the ability to go find a way to, to, uh, to go purchase them for your own collection. This week, in light of the fact that we reviewed Poseidon, I'd like to take a look at the original score for the film that Poseidon was based on, called The Poseidon Adventure, which was done in 1972, and it was an Irwin Allen film. Now, Irwin Allen is a huge, huge name in film history. Irwin Allen is responsible for, in many ways, starting the disaster movie genre. Uh, Poseidon Adventure was not the first quote-unquote disaster film in the 70s. Uh, th that one, that honor probably goes to Airport. Um, but Airport wasn't as successful and didn't have the legs that the Poseidon Adventure had. So when Poseidon Adventure came out, it, the popularity of that movie spawned all sorts of things that followed it. Uh, the Towering Inferno, Earthquake, The Swarm, and on and on. 
Now, the score for the Poseidon Adventure is an early effort by very famous film composer John Williams. Now, John Williams is known for Star Wars and E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Superman the Movie. And he's, a, he's a giant in film score history. This score reflects a time in John Williams' career where he was still finding his legs as a major motion picture composer. Uh, John Williams comes from a jazz background, actually, and uh, many of his early scores reflect more of a jazz nature, and as he evolved, he embraced more of the full orchestral backdrop. Now, this Poseidon Adventure was literally one of the first big, big movies that that he had uh, to, to be able to get a chance to do a score on. The score is really rare. It's almost impossible to find. You can find chunks of it in compilations, but the actual score intact uh, is not in such good shakes right now. You might be able to chance to find a bootleg copy uh, off of eBay, which is probably your best chance to find the, the 1970s. At that point, it was on vinyl, I guess. There's a 1995 bootleg that came out, also a 1998 version released by a company called FSM, uh, and that had also two of other scores, The Paper Chase and Conrack, on it. Fans have been clamoring for this score intact for a long time, and one of the biggest problems is, is that the source reels of the music are now so old and dated, and th- they're all in mono, um, and it's very difficult to find a crisp, clean stereo recording of the entire score. Portions of it, like the main theme and the love theme and some other ancillary cuts, are in halfway decent shape, but a lot of the rest of the score is in mono. The Poseidon Adventure has one of those themes that, as a kid watching this movie, I just clung on to. Uh, There's something dark and brooding about it that gives you a sense that disaster is right around the corner. Unfortunately, this main theme is the only one in the score, in my opinion, that is all that good. John Williams' work in this score is more or less atmospheric, uh, except for the main theme which is okay and it plays fine in the movie, but from a score standpoint, there's not a lot of competing themes for the characters and and the leitmotif ideas that sort of erupted with Star Wars. And leitmotif is, in Star Wars, you can tell because Princess Leia has a theme and Luke Skywalker has a theme and Darth Vader has a theme. Everybody has a theme, and those themes sort of play off of each other. And I'll I'll find a score in the coming shows uh, where I can illustrate what leitmotif is, explain it, and, and show you how it works. But in this one, you have one theme and it's a pretty good one. Here's a clip from the main title. Check it out. Another notable song on this score, unfortunately, is a song by an artist named Maureen McGovern. She's famous for making the song The Morning After. Now, this song was sung in the movie right before the action takes place where the wave rolls the ship over and the ship goes upside down and the turmoil begins and the adventure to get out of the ship starts. 
It's supposed to be a New Year's Eve party, and this is the celebratory song that the performer is, is singing to entertain the folks. Now, when I say that the Poseidon Adventure theme itself is one of my favorites, The Morning After is perhaps one of the worst songs ever written, period. <laughs> it's horrible. It's one of the worst songs. So here, with great reluctance, is a clip of The Morning After. There's got to be a morning after If we can hold on through the night We have a chance to find the sunshine Let's keep on looking for the light Oh, can't you see the morning after Waiting right outside the storm Why don't we cross the bridge together And find the place that's safe and warm It's not too late This leaves me questioning how you can make a song and in good conscience work a harpsichord in with a pop song. For those of you that don't know anything about the Poseidon Adventure or Poseidon, I obviously don't want to ruin the story and tell you what happens, other than the the ending of the film allows John Williams to actually take the score and enlarge it for the first time the entire movie. And this is some of the best elements of the entire score. Now, not only did the Poseidon Adventure open up a lot of filmic doorways for producer Irwin Allen to make more disaster films, it also opened up doorways significantly for John Williams to go on to make uh, scores for larger films. And almost next in line from this film was another Irwin Allen pick called The Towering Inferno. Uh, That was in 1974. The Towering Inferno is, in my opinion, the finest disaster movie ever made. It's about a building that catches fire, a skyscraper, and the efforts to save the people inside it and put the fire out. If you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. It is awesome. Now, the reason I bring up The Towering Inferno is that John Williams' work in The Poseidon Adventure seems to be like a a shade of what he does later on in The Towering Inferno. The, The themes are very similar, and it seems like by the time he gets to The Towering Inferno, he's firing on all cylinders. So where The Poseidon Adventure is kind of dark and brooding and plotting and 
more simply orchestrated. The Towering Inferno is brash and sweeping and just everything you want out of an epic score. So here, just for kicks, is a little smidgen of the Towering Inferno to compare and contrast with what you just heard from the Poseidon Adventure. Now, I hate to say this, but the Towering Inferno is also difficult to find. However, uh, you can find the Towering Inferno actually in almost a complete intact version up on iTunes. Uh, You can also find it on the internet. It it is part of a compilation with a few other scores, uh, but most of the tracks from the original movie um, are existing on CD. So at least you can find most of the Towering Inferno. Now, to wrap things up, I'll pop some links up on the site for anyone who might be interested in trying to locate the the Poseidon Adventure. I still say the best way is to look for the 1995 bootleg version or the 1998 FSM CD release, both of which, unfortunately, are extremely rare. Uh, You might be able to find a few MP3s here and there. However, if you're not interested in trying out the entire score, iTunes has two selections available of both the, the, the cut called The Prelude and the main title of The Poseidon Adventure, both of which conducted and composed by John Williams, that I think are concert arrangements from the score. But both of them are available as single tracks, they have the theme in it, and I think they pretty much reflect everything you want out of the score. All right, that's it for the screen this week. This has been Bryce. And this is Eric. And uh, in imparting words, it's time once again for Eric's Basement Oscar Award for this week's movie. Yes, so if I were going to give an Oscar to the Poseidon... uh, No, no, not the Poseidon. Oh, sorry. Poseidon. Poseidon 2K. This is the award I would give it. Movie most likely to not be shown on a cruise ship. I'm gonna fall! No, no, I'm gonna drown! No, you're not, stay with me. Take my hand! Flash fire! <laughs> Rogue <laughs> Hey, let us know what you think of our pilot episode here. We're kind of working out the bugs. Let us know if you got any suggestions, any incredible complaints, any you guys need to STFU and stop making these casts. Just yeah, let us know. Just send it to uh, TavernCast at TavernCast.com. And if you know our Taverncast Skype line, which is 734-418-8727, if you're brave enough, we want to hear your best <laughs> we might just play that. We might put it on, although it won't be relevant to the next movie, Who I hope. Who cares? How many Rogue Wave movies can we get for Taverncast, does it matter that it makes any sense? No, that's true. See you next time on the screen. Bye-bye. Green is a Snapdragon production and part of the Taverncast family of podcasts. Visit us online at www.taverncast.com. Oh, and you know the other thing I liked about it? Not to keep this going on too long, yeah. but I like how as soon as they shoot the flare, the helicopters are there.
Oh yeah. It's like they got like two minutes to wait. Oh wait, wait a minute. The fact. Oh that, wait, we're the, giving the, away the end. Wait, did you did, you didn't bring up the big one though too? They get off the ship. The second they get off the ship, the one piece of d debris that happens to be floating there is a fully inflated oh, yeah, fully raft, inflated, right. upright, upright, with yes. a flare and yep. gear on board. Yep. yep, everything ready. That happens all the time too. Hey, in happened my, last time I went on a cruise. Happened last time I was in the bathtub with a rogue wave. <laughs>